Welcome to Category Visionaries, the show dedicated to exploring exciting visions for the future from the founders who are on the front lines building it. In each episode, we'll speak with a visionary founder who's building a new category or reimagining an existing one. We'll learn about the problem they solve, how their technology works, and unpack their vision for the future. I'm your host, Brett Stapper, CEO of Frontlines Media. Now let's dive right into today's episode. Hey, everyone, and thanks for listening. Today, I'm speaking with Shalab Singhao, CEO and co-founder of Trademail, a supply chain intelligence platform that's raised $12.5 million in funding. Shalab, thanks for coming with me today. I'm great, Brett. Thanks for having me here. No problem. How would I do in pronouncing your last name? <laughs> uh, it's Singhal. All right, so we were kind of close there. Now, to kick things off, could you just tell our audience a little bit more about who you are and your background? Sure, Brett. I was born brought up in India and always had an inclination towards science, technology. So went to one of the premium engineering colleges in India, IIT. And uh, post my graduation from there, I joined Goldman and then moved on to do my CFA, got interested in the finance side also. And then started my entrepreneurial journey with the first company back in India in the CRM space. It was still the early kind of startup scene in India, a lot, lot of startups over there. So bootstrapped it, moved on to my next startup in the fintech space, scaled it to multiple states in India, and then started my third venture, Trademo, which is a supply chain AI company building with a vision of building end-to-end visibility into global supply chains. And that got started in 2020, uh, just in the middle of pandemic. And a few questions we like to ask, and the goal here is to just really better understand what makes you tick as a founder. First one, what founder and CEO do you admire the most and what do you admire about them? Yeah, so as an individual, I don't have all-time favorites. I can't point one person whom I admire the most, but I I try to learn from multiple people. Uh, They could be founders, they could be professionals, mentors in, in my life who might not have been CEOs ever, but they have done some amazing work in their career. So yeah, I just try to learn how to solve problems, how to be patient, qualities which I think the founders really need and never give up kind of attitude and learn from difficult journeys and keep yourself motivated to continue to build, to continue to just be there to solve a large problem. What about books? And the way we like to frame this is we we call them quick books. So a quick book is a book that like rocks you to your core. It influences how you think about the world and how you approach life. Do any quick books come to mind? Yeah, I think one of the books, which as a founder, I really loved reading was The Hard Things About Hard Things by Ben Horvitz. So that really kind of motivated me like on how do you need a lot of conviction, a lot of persistence and a never give up attitude to excel or to kind of be there as a founder. But yeah, I think I always admire any autobiographies, any nonfiction especially if these are from startup founders and to learn from their journey. Now, let's switch gears and let's dive deeper into the company. So let's think about this like the elevator pitch so we can keep it super high level. But at a high level, what does Trademo do? So Trademo is building a single source of truth on global supply chains, which is basically providing three key solutions to any stakeholder which has a global supply chain. So these could be manufacturers, logistic companies, great finance companies, customs authorities, and so on. And uh, we 
offer them intelligence, which is kind of building visibility on how global supply chains are functioning, then helping them being compliant with different laws, trade regulations around the world, and then also helping them proactively identify and manage risk in their global supply chains. And take me back to 2020 when you were first you know, considering this idea and tackling this problem. What was it about this problem that made you say, yep, that's it. Let's go build a company around that and dedicate the next you know, 5, 10, 15 years of our life to this problem? So, Brett, I was intrigued by supply chains for a long time because I believe supply chain is something which impacts every industry, every organization, countries, individuals, everyone. And when COVID came and a lot of vulnerability was exposed in global supply chains, even for very big enterprises, this was clear to me that though supply chains impact everyone and there is a lot at stake at it, there is still a lot to do in terms of how these supply chains should be managed, right? And the idea was that there have been a lot of supply chain management applications by some of the giants out there. But what we really need is some kind of solution, which is bringing all this intelligence, all the external factors which impact global supply chains on a common platform. Right. So it's not only what we do internally and how my internal vendors and uh, how our relationship is working with them, but a lot of external factors which impact global supply chains. So that is how the idea kind of really started. This vision started building up. But then what happened post-COVID also, whether it is a lot of geopolitical tensions, basically Russia-Ukraine conflict, or whether a lot of tension between US-China with respect to overall trade, and then a lot of disruptions in the logistics, delays on ports. So one thing after the other, you realize that supply chains have come to an inflection point where they will keep on getting disrupted every now and then, right? And so these solutions which were built for the past when supply chains were much more stable and they were expected to function smoothly as at least like no major disruptions every year or so, that has changed, right? So that's the hypothesis, but I think so far, it has proved true. If you look at last three, four years, we can never be very sure that there's no other major disruption that is coming our way. So the only thing that we can do is to proactively manage risk and our exposure to those kind of disruptions. And when it comes to your market category, what's that market category then? Is it supply chain risk management? Is it supply chain intelligence? How do you think about the market category? Yeah, so there would be believe ourselves that like we are some kind of a category creator in that particular space because companies have defined themselves that we do supply chain risk management or we do compliance or we do intelligence. But I believe that the underlying knowledge or the underlying capabilities that you need to really power all these different kind of applications should be one. And that something which is like, for example, I think uh, I can give an example to make this more clear. So recently, US came with the UFLPA Act, which is basically Weaker Forced Labor Prevention Act. Now, this is a trade compliance, right? But if you have a supply chain, even in your upstream, like your tier four, tier five supplier, which is exposed to such kind of forced labor, right? Then it's also a very big risk in your supply chain, right? So now the risk management and compliance are not different anymore. 
And mm-hmm. just to identify these kind of risks, you need a lot of intelligence, uh, which is basically you need uh, transparency, visibility beyond what you already have, right? So that intelligence is coming from a lot of external data and then AI that we use to enrich that particular data and, and gain insights from it, right? So mm-hmm. this is how we kind of created a category where we said, like, if there is an underlying knowledge layer that we have built as a knowledge graph, which is powered by data being collected from multiple domains in global supply chains, and if that can be put onto a right kind of ontology, this can not just power one of these areas. This should uh, be useful for intelligence, compliance, as well as risk management. Can you give us an idea of the growth and traction that you're seeing today? Yeah. So in spite of, I think, how the market has been since late 2022 and what we are seeing in 2023, I think there are significant tailwinds when it comes to any kind of supply chain AI solution out there. Because as I mentioned, we have been seeing regular disruptions and most of the organizations globally have identified that one of the areas where they are weak and really vulnerable is global supply chains. And a lot of new trade compliance, especially on the ESG front that have come into play, they really require a lot of data and AI solutions to be leveraged, right? And that is driving adoption, I would say, awareness around the requirement of these kind of solutions. You see with players like Gartner and Forrester creating new categories in supply chain just because these are new requirements, right? So yeah, I think we have been seeing good demand as well as a lot of awareness as well as appetite to adopt new solutions in the market, right? So, I mean, just if I have to share just a few numbers. So from in one year when we started, like when we first launched our product in the next 12 months, I mean, our month-on-month growth was more than 100%, right? So this is the kind of adoption of growth we see just in the first year of launch. This show is brought to you by Frontlines Media, a podcast production studio that helps B2B founders launch, manage, and grow their own podcast. Now, if you're a founder, you may be thinking, I don't have time to host a podcast. I've got a company to build. Well, that's exactly what we built our service to do. You show up and host, and we handle literally everything else. To set up a call to discuss launching your own podcast, visit frontlines.io slash podcast. Now, back to today's episode. From a marketing perspective, what are you seeing work right now? I think as far as B2B concerned, I think generating a lot of quality content. And then also, since I think we, we are already past COVID era, I think events uh, have started making a lot of sense just to be, especially if you are selling in industries like logistics to big manufacturers or retailers, right? I think they, they still value having a physical touch points, right? So I think that is coming back and that is good because you really cut through and untrust in in first few interactions, right? But yes, I think I'll still rate generating quality content and providing value in every marketing interaction that you have for the customer, not just for the sake of generating lead, but to really kind of deliver value to this customer. And yeah, I think more and more, we believe that rather than just the software, it's the intelligence which is becoming more important. Yeah, I think all founders know now that, you know, content is king, content is important, but it's really hard to create good content. When I was on your website uh, a couple of days ago preparing for this interview, I did see all of the resources there and you just have great content. How did you pull that off? How did you manage to create such good content? I think 
content marketing is something which at least in the early stage founders cannot outsource to their marketing teams. And I mean, there could be a few founders who would be more sales focused uh, or a few who would be more product focused. But I think one of the skills which founders today really need is also learning how to do good content marketing themselves, right? And at least derive this themselves for first few years. Because I think that is how it flows top down, right? So we have to set benchmarks of the kind of content that we want to generate. So I think that is a learning during this journey itself that if you take examples of so many successful startups out there, especially in the B2B space, the founders initially have spent a lot of time in building their content marketing engine, generating some great content. I think it totally makes sense to spend uh, weeks or months to generate a good piece of ebook or good series or a podcast around your industry. It goes a long way in uh, building trust uh, as well as visibility. If we look at the competitive landscape, how have you positioned the company? Yeah, so we just stayed uh, true to our vision, which is, I think, initially when we started, seemed very difficult because the vision of building a single source of truth on global supply chain means that you are actually working with thousands of different sources and, and data sets and then trying to kind of really clean them, use AI to join intelligence coming from the, all these different data sources, right? But yeah, I think as we kept building and just continued uh, our discipline of incremental improvement day on day and being true to our vision, I think we differentiated ourselves, right? So that differentiation can come only if you have, I think, original thinking and you have a different perspective on how you wear the world, right? So we, in this process, initially when we started, we were compared with one of the players, right? And then as we kept on building, we were getting compared for our other solution with some of the players. But we have been building our story and then eventually our customers, our prospects, stakeholders started realizing that what we are building is, is a kind of a different category in itself. And as I mentioned there in the intro, you've raised $12.5 million so far. What have you learned about fundraising? Yeah, so this is my second venture where we raised uh, VC fund. I've always been very cautious in uh, like picking up the right set of investors that I want to work with because with almost now 13 years of entrepreneurial experience, what I've learned is that markets don't ever remain the same, right? So you should be very thoughtful of why you want to raise capital. Are you in that particular stage where you can really take VC money and start that particular growth engine? Are you, you are still experimenting? Are you pre-product market fit, post-product market fit? And what are the expectations that these set of investors have with you? Have they have similar experience in this industry? Or for example, if in your B2B SaaS, have they seen this kind of industry before? I think it would be difficult if your investor doesn't really understand the space or understand the right dynamics of building a business, right? How much time it takes. So yeah, I think I just try that whomsoever I raise funds from, I know them from at least a couple of years. So that is what I've learned. So if you have any kind of inbound interest, even if you're not raising, it always makes sense to engage with people and understand more than about their investments and like understand them as human beings, right? How that relationship would, would be. Because I think beyond some initial investment and brand, 
eventually you're working with that specific partner or that specific investor, right? Who, who is sitting on your board or uh, who is managing this portfolio, right? So you should have a great chemistry with them. If you were starting the company again today from scratch, what would be the number one piece of advice you'd give to yourself? I would say spend a lot of time in building the team. Again, like what I learned to do with my investors, I would say I would do the same in identifying first 10 people that I want to join in the company, right? So again, if again I get a chance, then I would like to ideally work with people whom I've worked with before rather than working with at least for the first 10 people that I want to onboard in my team. And final question for you here. Let's zoom out three to five years into the future. What's that big picture vision that you're building? But we want to power every stakeholder in global supply chain, reasonable size business with one of the solutions that we are building. Because I believe most of the solutions out there in the market are still not competition to us. And most of the businesses who have any stake in global supply chain, as I said, it could be a manufacturer, retailer, or a global logistics provider, or a trade finance company, or even customs authorities. I think we have something to offer there, right? So in the next five years, we want to work with some of the most complex supply chains, some of the most complex and pressing problems that are there in supply chains, and there are plenty, right? So we want to make a strong impact globally through our technology, through our uh, products on how global supply chains function and how resilient they are. Amazing. I love the vision. We are up on time, so we'll have to wrap here. For any founders listening in that want to follow along with your journey, where should they go? Yeah, I think so. We are pretty active on LinkedIn. We regularly post updates to our website. Do drop us an email and happy to chat, happy to kind of share and like if there are any opportunities, uh, synergies to happy to work together. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to join the podcast, talk about what you're building and share some of the lessons that you've learned along the way. Really appreciate your time. Thank you, Greg. Thanks a lot for having me. You've been touched. This episode of Category Visionaries is brought to you by Frontlines Media, Silicon Valley's leading podcast production studio. If you're a B2B founder looking for help launching and growing your own podcast, visit frontlines.io slash podcast. And for the latest episode, search for Category Visionaries on your podcast platform of choice. Thanks for listening and we'll catch you on the next episode.